Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it, and we're here for you. Good morning, Melissa. Welcome to episode 80 of the Adoption Connection Podcast. Good morning, Lisa. So how are you guys doing? (laughs) Well, that is such an interesting question. And for all of you listening out there, we would love to know how you're doing too, because this is like, it's wild and crazy, right? There's nothing to compare this to. We're definitely um, dealing with some of the challenges of um, having everybody home, doing school at home. We've got big changes. Our daughter, Anna Rose, who's serving as a missionary in Mexico, the sending ministry has decided she needs to leave Mexico. So that's a very unexpected change happening in our family. And she'll be leaving and and starting the long trip home on Monday. And so that means adjusting things in our home, setting up a space for her, emptying out a dresser, you know, just really practical things. So it's, it's just a strange time. I think we're doing okay. How about you? We're doing okay in most senses. I actually think I'm the one who's not doing okay. I think everyone else actually really is doing fine. And it's interesting because I have this feeling of not giving myself permission to not feel fine because on a logical level, there's really nothing going on that, I mean, minus like the whole bathroom renovation situation. If you've been following me at all, you know a little bit about. So there's a lot of construction stuff in our space. Like our space isn't clean right now or isn't decluttered. But my husband still is able to work and we're accustomed to homeschooling and working at home. And we have a lot of people that are close to us already live here. So, you know, we're not just all by our lonesome selves. So I think this whole feeling of like, feeling overwhelmed, feeling frozen. I feel almost like guilty about because I'm seeing my friends like make masks and volunteer and like give back to society. And I'm capable of sewing. I have a ton of fabric. I actually used to sew a lot in an earlier season and I just can't like the thought of it just overwhelms me. I just can't. And I'm feeling a little bad about it, but just is what it is, I suppose. (laughs) Well, and I think for those of us who work from home, our work has continued virtually, literally virtually, but also just virtually the same, but now we're adding on top, having, you know, teaching the kids and managing some of these complexities with the pandemic. So yeah, it's a really strange time. And I find myself feeling a little sad. And I think some of it is legitimate, well, it's all sadness is legitimate, but some of it is because of the obvious losses. Um, I've talked about Claire as a senior and, you know, that's, it's a really sad thing to have your child not be able to have a graduation when they've been expecting it and prom and the scholar dinner and all these special things. And really, really sad talking to Anna Rose yesterday about having to leave her work that she loves so much and the people that she loves so much But there's also this sadness, like I'm starting to see more and more on Facebook of people who are losing spouses, who are losing friends to the virus. And I just think there's this feeling in my gut sort of of sadness. And 
I'm not, I, I think that's okay. And I don't think I need to pretend it's not there, but I definitely feel this even in the midst of, you know, some of the good things that are happening too. Yeah. I listened to a really helpful podcast from Brene Brown last week. She has a new podcast and her first episode is something like Brene on FFTs, which the G rated version is terrible first times. And I think we have to remember that, that this is a first for everything, a lot of things. And in some ways it's hard to identify this as a first time because a lot of things in life are kind of still the same. It's kind of like living in the twilight zone where a lot of things are the same, but then yet a lot of things are different. And so, yeah, my brain's just having trouble wrapping itself around all the things. Yes. Well, I'm really happy about the episode we have today. We actually pulled this together very short notice because we think it's going to be so valuable for all of you who are listening. Uh, We invited our friend Maria Hansen-Quine to talk with us about schooling during this very unusual time. And Maria is a particularly great guest for us because she's both a school counselor, a very experienced school counselor, and an adoptive mom. So she is a person of great faith, and she is living out the extraordinary stories God has planned for her. She calls herself a precious jewels mama, as she passionately believes children are sacred gifts from God. Maria and her husband, Sam, have nine beautiful and diverse precious jewels, seven through adoption and two born biologically to them. Sam, her husband, is an adult adoptee, also adopted from Korea, so he and Melissa have that in common. And Maria so believes in the value of children that she has devoted the past 22 years to working with children from hard places and currently is working as an inner city school counselor. I am so excited for you guys to hear this. Maria is extraordinary and she's passionate about her work and she's going to have a ton of great insight for us. So let's jump into your conversation with Maria. Hello, Maria. Welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Hi, Lisa. (laughs) It's good to see you. How are you? Yeah, you too. Well, I would say one of the biggest things that I am dealing with, and I know families all over the country are dealing with right now, is the sudden closure of schools, educating our kids at home, and interacting with schools. And the reason I wanted to discuss this with you is that you are a school counselor and also the mom of a large family. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you and then let's talk about what is going on with education and how we can best help our kids. I am a school counselor. Yeah, I'm a clinically trained social worker, right? Um, And I've been a school counselor for 17 years. I have worked in three different states and about four different schools. And I just say that just to show like the kind of the diversity of different settings that I've been in, right? I really have had the privilege of the other really cool thing um, for me is that I have had the privilege of having my own children in one of the schools that I worked at for many, many years. And that was awesome. And so as school counselors, um, I'd say that our roles vary from school to school. So each, each, each one of the buildings I've been in, uh, that would be how we refer to schools sometimes as buildings. <laughs> but um, in each one of the schools, my, roles, my role has been different, right? Um, in one school, I heavily was involved teaching social-emotional skills 
in the classrooms and then doing counseling. And I was a char in charge of Bible fours as well. Typically, typically though, a counselor does wear many different hats, right? And mm -hmm. so um, I've always been an integral part of the special ed team. In my last building, I did observations as part of that. I went part that was part of the evaluation process. Now, what I do is I I create social emotional goals for some of my students. So I am actually in their writing IEP goals, and I do minutes with some of my students right now. Um, in the role that I'm in, um, I'm also in charge of our behavior study team, right? So it just depends, right? Right now, I feel like I have my dream job, which I will just say it as that. I won't give an explanation. But there's lots of stories behind that. And uh, I realize this might not be the dream job for others, but I work in an inner city K through eight school. And I have loved, honestly, in all honesty, I've loved all the buildings I've been in before, all the other schools. I've, I've just have always been passionate about this. I've always felt like this is part of my calling. This is part of my ministry. I view it in that way. And as a 20-year-old, I thought I would be working in the inner city. That was kind of what I wanted to do. And so now as a 45-year-old, <laughs> I am working in the inner city. And so... Um, so you can imagine the amount of trauma then, right, that I interface with every single day. And, and so let me ask you, how did you get personally introduced to the needs of children with trauma? I have nine children, or as I call them, jewels. Um, I, we have uh, two biological and seven adopted. So we adopted first, had a biological three years later and thought that was the perfect plan. And then mm -hmm. one by one, God called us to our other kids. And within our family, our, um, all of my kids have trauma because as you know, one of our went through cancer, really hard fight. And so that's impacted all of our kids, our low trauma impact. The other thing is that we have five kids on IEPs and two kids on five wars and within my own family that is right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we navigate different needs at home. Um, Mar two with the 504s. Um, I wrote their 504s. And so I don't want to jump ahead, but I'm being reminded now that I'm their teacher. I'm reminded of those 504s I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> I'm wanting to make sure I follow them, <laughs> mm -hmm. right? Because they need those accommodations just as much now at home as they did at school. And so it's, um, that's kind of a quick, you know, intro yeah. to intro. Yeah, kind of me and my role and kind of where I come at with this whole conversation, right? That's really helpful. What would you say to all of us parents mm. who all of a sudden have our kids home and like we just found out our kids aren't going back this year? Right. So, right. you know, and, and there's a whole aspect of that, like for parents emotionally, but practically speaking, how do we get through this school year? Yeah. That's like a loaded question, right? Yeah. I, yes. <laughs> whoa. And, and honestly, right. If you and I, either you and I had the magic answer to that, we, we would share it out. Now yes. there is no magic answer, but there certainly is things that we can do that are, are going to be more helpful. And I always feel like I cannot have this conversation and I, sorry, I'm going to spend like a minute on Lisa is without talking about self-care. Okay. And so it's like, I feel like in thinking about this conversation and talking about it first, we got, you have to have a plan right now. It, some of the really um, not to class this 
districts, but some of the maybe more savvy districts are giving us lots of plans. They're giving us lots of things that we can do with our kids. That's the district that I work for. I'm really proud to say that we're working really hard right from day one to provide online support and the district that my kids attend, um, which is two different districts. So there's certainly, so there is that, but that's not necessarily what I mean. So um, I feel like you need a plan. And first of all, you have to have a plan for yourself and then you have to have a plan for your kids. Because the amount of needs that are coming at us now as parents with having our kids in our home, there is no way that we humanly can take care of those unless we're taking care of ourselves first. There's just no way. And so, so my, kind of my first, like you cannot pour out if you have nothing to give. And so I am um, a passionate I'm passionate about many things, but passionate believer of um, like self-care and and, and I've always done it. I've done it for years. I didn't realize how foundational it would be for my life for different seasons, right? And so now, so before the quarantine, before the coronavirus, I was doing it. But now I feel like I have to up it because there's so many more things being expected of me. And I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, um, you and I both are, you know, nurture trust-based relational, you know, parents, right? That's how we aim to be. I cannot be nurturing <laughs> mm -hmm. if I'm on MT or if I'm, you know, so first of all, you have to have, uh, to me, it's a non-negotiable and um, it has to be every day because regardless of how many kids you have, yes, I have nine. Yes, we have lots of different um, needs, special needs, um, trauma needs, right? But none of us were made to do all those things. We, we're human. We, we don't have that capacity. So um, I would say you have to have a plan. And this is not to be, um, and my plan requires me that I'm in bed by like 930. Mm -hmm. And I'm up at like 5, 530 every morning. And I know that um, yeah, it probably doesn't sound fun to a lot of people. And it doesn't have to look like that everybody right but you have to have and both both spouses right if there's two parents in a home you you both have because you both have to that's the thing too for this is now our kids are home this is both parents even if both are working or one is working outside the home like at home but outside the home you know whatever it yeah. might be it's it's going to require all hands on deck so to speak mm -hmm. that would be the first thing that I would speak to and then the second thing is you need a plan for your kids, one that's academically focused and one that's regulation focused, right? Because here, again, we've got kids with, um, I think of that kids with like high trauma needs that don't have attachment yet. And now it's almost like their worst, like they probably couldn't say it cognitively or, or explain it, but their worst fear of being around their family, the the entire day, right? Those are right. not points of safety for them. So, and regulation is this tricky thing where I, um, you know, people come at it in different approaches and different explanation. For me, regulation, it's something that somebody enjoys to do, not electronics of any form, um, that helps you kind of feel equilibrium. Feel, I was going to say feel regulated, but that doesn't, then I'm using the same word, right? Mm -hmm. It kind of helps you feel grounded. I have a daughter who, um, and thankfully we have 
we have strong attachment, even though she has a lot of struggles. She, she, and now she's in high school. She runs every single day. And that's one of like five things, five things that she has to do. And um, she has, you know, like those boards with the letters on it. We created one of those. So Mm -hmm. it could look all cute and pretty to remind her. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's, if she doesn't do one of the things on there, she's off. And we all notice, right? And we can usually go back to, you know, if I go through with her, like, did you do this? Did you, like, there's usually one of those things that she, um, you know, 95% of the time, right? I know I live in a sunny state. I'm sorry to all of you that don't. And it's warm out here. And really, that's a gift to me. So we are out constantly. So it's taking your kids for a walk. If it's raining, you put a coat on. I lived mm-hmm. in Washington for 15 years to put on a warm coat. But the little brains and the big brains, the grown-ups, need also that constant movement. Regulation typically should include some type of movement. And so mm-hmm. it has to be getting outside of the house within social distance. But movement, right, mm-hmm. is kind of what I mean. It's hard to get it unless you have a stationary bike or something like that. But It's hard um, to get the whole family on a so, treadmill, though. Yeah. So right? getting outside is helpful, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and it has to be an everyday thing. It can't be, and it shouldn't be, oh, when, when I notice that they're, you know, kind of falling apart. Sometimes I feel like then it's, then it's, it's not too late, but then you have a lot more recovery that you have to do. Yes. So, and you and I both know, right? TRIs every, every two hours, you mm-hmm. want to have some kind of sensory input. The one of our kids that uh, also struggles you know, there's, we can try, also struggle significantly. He typically starts his day jumping on the trampoline. Um, and it's a non, it's just set up. So he does. Nobody can go with them because if they go with them, it's not regulation. Right. Then it gets, <laughs> yeah. Well, literally I just bought a new trampoline. We had, we've had one for years, but we'd gotten rid of our last one. And I thought, oh, I don't know if I'll do one again. But when this whole quarantine happened, I thought I need a new one. And so I ordered one, we have it set up and then it started snowing. But this last week has been much, much better. So it's becoming part of our routine again. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. We also, another thing, a good one for regulation is those indoor basketball hoops that are super loud and annoying, but go on the door. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're we have that loud too. Because <laughs> the bouncing, right. But again, right. brain research, we know it's mm-hmm. really good. So mm-hmm. we, we certainly, I mean, um, if I were to list all the things that we do for regulation within our family and I'm, I'm not trying to be like, um, dramatic or anything, but there's probably like 15 to 20 things. It is, it is a serious thing, you know, Another, another, before I kind of get into the academic, now we've done this for years and you might do it too, Lisa. Um, but I, now that I, my age, I'm more um, reflective maybe than I have been in years past. And I see this little thing that we do. It's, it's a way to, it's actually, it's, it helps all of us regulate as we implement a quiet time. Mm-hmm. And during that quiet time, it's either what well, my kids have to read for half of it. And then reading at their level. So I have to make sure that they're all reading at the level. Um, one of our kids is blind. And so he reads Braille. And so I'm making sure he's got those books right on his level still that he can, that he can read. And then it's quiet play. But I think the quiet and the stillness helps all of their, and my, my brain too, but mm-hmm. helps all of their brains kind of reset too. We do it about one thirty. 
Mm -hmm. um, in the afternoon, we tend to be up early. You know, we have nine kids, right? So sometimes our house is kind of loud. So our big kids are like typically around 115. They're like, isn't it quiet time? Mom, isn't it? Because <laughs> they need the house just to be quiet, you yeah. know? Um, and that's so during this time. And it gives me, so that's really one of my other like re- self-care, right? I've got a little bit of time. Honestly, Lisa, I don't do housework during that time. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't like very minimally. Um, I I don't. I'm and I'm working from home, so typically these days I'm working during that time, right? Yeah, I have yep. to find me too several hours, right? Mm-hmm. But it's still my own time, and the mm-hmm. rule is they cannot come and interrupt me, right? Because, because that's that doesn't that's not helping me. They come and interrupt me, and so right. um, in terms of like kind of brain, I you know brain kind of reboot, so. That's good. And then when it comes to the academic plan, like, okay, I, I'm not sure people, and here's the thing, right? Always people can disagree with me and I'm totally okay with that. Right. We can agree to disagree on this. But um, again, I feel like, gosh, the district that the school that my elementary, my own elementary kids go to, it is amazing. It's exceptional. Like God's favor at bringing us here. It's been awesome. It like blows my mind. And we as district are working really hard. So I am getting brilliant online plans for, uh, well, let's see, I've got, I've got four in elementary, one in middle school. And then the thing about our district is our, my four high schoolers are doing full-time online schooling. Yes. From day one. So with them, I am finding that they are, and they already were a Google classroom in a Google school, and they already had Chromebooks assigned. Mm-hmm. And so they were able to, so really, I mean, that's heroic on, on, on my, my perspective. So my teenagers, unlike, and again, districts are at different places, but they have been working, working. They have mm-hmm. not been playing. They've been working. And, um, three of the four teenagers are on IEPs and I have to say they've all reached out and they've all offered in terms of what, you know, the question is what are districts doing? What should they be doing? They should be reaching out. And so we've, there's been zoom calls with my high schoolers. I kind of attack them first because it's, it's easier. Um, They've been reaching out and my kids have taken some of the, one of my kiddos gets extra help in math. Mm-hmm. And she has Zoom called with her. They um, in this high school, it's a regular ed and a special ed teacher in one classroom, right? And a mixture of kids, is, so they're all getting um, the main curriculum. And so they, she has Zoom chatted with them, and they've retaught some of the instruction that she hasn't understood. Mm-hmm. And um, PT has reached out. We have a daughter that's hearing impaired. They've reached out, and um, and for the most part, my high schoolers are. Um, kind of what we've decided is if they need the help, we'll reach, we'll reach out for it, but we're, we're not going to keep up the every week services that they were receiving before. And it's okay. Working. Now, if parents, l- let me ask quickly, if parents are not, if the school isn't reaching out, how should the parent, what should the parent do to connect with those, the school, the teams, I I would say everybody's online these days. And so I would start with a simple email. It's hard to say if I would email the teacher directly. Uh, Probably. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had to have some emails with one of of my daughters that has um, ADHD inattention that um, struggles to organize herself. And 
misses steps in direction in uh, steps in the directions given. And so I tend to email in different relationships. Some of her teachers, some are more challenging than others. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But I tend to, I guess I do tend to go directly to that teacher. So I would email the service provider directly. And honestly, within our district, we're being told, you know, as a school counselor, we need to respond to parents that day. Okay. So I would think that um, districts are giving the same or close to um, direction to their staff. So I would say contact the, the provider, you know, if it's okay. whatever it might be. Because Zoom, I mean, speech therapy, they could be doing Zoom calls. I've done Zoom counseling call, um, meetings with some of my students. And so um, I've talked with some of my parents, you know, and so it's, I would say, um, now the other question, the other thing that is so so that's my high schoolers right so I feel like the biggest thing for me (laughs) during this um, time with my high schoolers is to help keep them regulated (laughs) yes right yes so which you and I know um, some of like and others know that that's it's all his its own whole thing right Mm -hmm. like or Um, teenagers. I have a senior right now graduating from high school and she's doing really well, but you can imagine the loss. Of- yes. My daughter's a senior also. Oh, right. All, yeah. So all sad four of my kids, kids were doing track, which is Mine? the last season. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's, but that's important and that mm-hmm. requires things from us and requires our attention. And it's just as important as the academics right now. Yes. Yeah. Right. And that's where for me, um, with all of this. So for my high schoolers, because it's full time, it's so well set up, they are a hundred percent doing that program. Mm-hmm. Now my others <laughs> <laughs> are not, they're not a hundred percent doing the program that's being given to them from their incredible teachers. And I have emailed all those teachers. And so, so the plan. So the second plan is like the academic plan at home. And Honestly, um, my advice, unless, and this is going to sound what it's going to sound like, but unless you have two or three kids at home, and even so, if they are kids with high needs, it depends on their needs. I would say, do not attempt to do everything the teachers are giving you. And so it's varying of districts though, right? Because some are, um, so I'm going to classify here. Some are doing such an excellent job. And they are giving every academic subject. They are giving specialists. They are giving opportunities for the different uh, service providers, the different mm-hmm. therapies, which is which is the districts that I'm at. And so if that's where you're at, if other people, I would say do not attempt to do it all because I don't know how you possibly can. Right. Because, right, the other thing for me during this time is, and I've, I've said before, I'm passionate about families thriving. I'm t- passionate about kids with trauma thriving. I'm passionate about families that are even in the midst of trauma thriving. It doesn't mean that everything's perfect and happy, but there's a way to still kind of do that. I really believe that. And, mm-hmm. and so, and it's messy and ugly all at the same time, but you still can thrive within that. And so, first of all, do not attempt to do everything that they're giving you. Um, again, I told, like I have, you know, a sixth grader and four in elementary. I cannot keep up. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're beautiful and they're brilliant, the plans. And then I have one who's blind who I have to braille everything for. Now his team has reached out, but 
I mean, if you think about that out of all those kiddos, right? I said, I have five IEPs, which means different providers, right? And mm-hmm. then I can't keep up that amount of Zoom meetings. No, other, I know. No, and the other thing is my fourth grader, or I would describe him as Curious George. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess in this conversation, we can say that he's sensory seeking, has anxiety and ADHD, right? Mm-hmm. So the, the one of the things that we have found through the years that will dysregulate him like this is any kind of screen. Mm. If I put him in front of it could any kind of screen. So we as a result, and there might be some own personal philosophical beliefs, but we are a pretty electronic free family. And now we're in this time where they are, the program is to essentially sit in front of their computer Mm-hmm. And work through, I, it's really good, but clicking on different links. But for my son, it it really does, it dysregulates him almost immediately, mm-hmm. which what that means is that he will be irritable. His mood swings will kind of go up and down. He mm-hmm. will get frustrated really easily. And so we, so I, I wasn't doing it. And then I thought, oh my gosh, I'm being such a bad mom. Like I, I've got to at least try. And so I tried the program and I, it was like 30 minutes and my husband and I were like, yeah, no, 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 Mm -hmm. this is, we we can't do it with him. He's super intelligent at the same time. He is his, his creativity. He is, he's really, really uh, special when it comes to different other, like his thinking ability and all that. So So have you kind of freed him from that? Have you told the school we're not, we're not going to be able to do all this. So this is what we're going to do instead or. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I'm the type of parent I and mean, hopefully, hopefully all of us are the type of parent that the school, the schools really know us. Right. Mm-hmm. And we really know them. Hopefully we have relationships established. Um, I'm an advocate for my kids. So I ask for those meetings at the beginning of the school year. I follow up to make sure that they're getting what they need. And I feel like it's even in the best of best of schools that things get missed. And it's really our job as parents to be the advocate for our kids to do it with grace. Like mm-hmm. everybody's human, you know, there's no intentionality. And even if there is intentionality, sometimes I le- I always lead with the place of that things are not done on, on purpose. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And so my son though, is still reading and writing and doing math every single day. And the biggest thing is to get them reading and writing. And the, one of the things that we've done is um, which is really good for Jace, because if I give him a uh, traditional paper sheet, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a traditional, he walks at it and I have to, you know, do, I have to, um, really, really make sure I'm accommodating for him. I have to really watch my tone after, you know, mm-hmm. which sometimes I just don't want to do that every minute of the day when I'm trying to teach my own child. Right. So this was before, you know, now we're trying not even to go to the stores, but mm-hmm. I got him just a little, I, all my kids actually who have at home have their own little writing notebooks mm-hmm. and giving him an, an assignment, like write write about anything for like 10 to 15 minutes. And the my favorite things is to write about everything, any, like make up a story and he can make up the most amazing stories is don't worry about punctuation, punctuation or spelling, just write. Mm-hmm. And then you go back and look at after write, right? Look at um, the structure kind of of the writing, but that's one of the best things that we could be doing for our kids right now is to mm-hmm. get, and 
this this might not be helpful or it might be helpful, but none of my kids are doing plans from the schools right now. But um, because I don't have capacity to go yeah. through five different plans and look at what they're all doing. So I, I mean, I've looked at it, but for, so I have an idea of, and the stuff that I'm doing is, I'm finding is, is mostly aligning. The other thing, so my kids read every day, they do um, reading, I mean, they're doing different types of writing. Um, maybe I, I tend to lean it that way, because I think there's so much, uh, and, and my first grader is writing, he's brailing stories, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and sometimes there's more structure, I don't just do the free write, or the expressive, whatever you want to call it, I do like comprehension questions or whatnot. What was that? I, I did go and buy those Brain Quest books. What are they? Repeat it. Uh, I think they're called Brain Quest. Okay. I've used them before. I used them when I homeschooled my one daughter only because it's honestly for my kiddos that have like learning challenges or struggles, it's a lot more exciting to open up that book than for me to click on the paper sheet from, from their teacher or mm-hmm. print it out. Okay. And so... It's a lot of the, um, if you look at, I feel like they do a good job, again, from working in the school. And, and not that other people need to do that, but for me, I needed something where um, I wanted my kids still reading and writing and doing math, right? Like I want them engaged and learning and growing, but I, I needed it to be something that I could manage. Yes. And I needed it to be, right? And I needed it to be something that they were excited about. Right. Because honestly, Lisa, like my highest highest priority above grades above academics is the heart of my kids and relationship that's relationship right right Right. i Mm -hmm. i I don't want it to be like oh my gosh the coronavirus the quarantine remember that my mom was like the meanest mom ever (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know which it's just a lot like it's a lot to have to do it is a lot so you're saying that like for our younger kids, especially just adapt to what's realistic for you as a mom and for them. Yeah. And whether it's pulling things from the school plans or sometimes Mm -hmm. just not doing the school plan at all, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. finding what works so that we don't destroy relationship in the midst Mm -hmm. of trying to do school. Yeah. Is that, but still, yeah, yeah. But still making sure that your kids are engaged with learning. Yes. Right. Right. So, which can look like you, we know the research shows us learning takes place in so many different avenues. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be the sit at a desk in front of a book or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. There's so many different types of learning. And I don't say that as a, like, you know, let them do whatever I'm not. Sure. Like my kids are, we're in the classroom. This is our classroom. It's the cutest little thing every morning. Right. Uh-huh. We normally start with some kind of story, right? That mm-hmm. I read with them. And then there's comprehend, like there's definitely structure to it. What else is there? What other tips can you offer to parents? Is there anything else you, you know, what I would say is I would say like, so if you, if you add some um, creativity to like you, you, it's good to probably go if, if, if you, if you're not a teacher, if you haven't homeschooled before, if you haven't worked in schools, if these are your, like you, you're, you don't have olders where you've gone through all the curriculum, yeah. right? <laughs> you definitely want to go and look at in on your, in your free time, <laughs> <laughs> um, but kind of like sift through 
kind of what they're giving you so you have a sense of for it. And then see if you can kind of tweak, take some of that, but tweak it maybe to things that you're really interested in, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So some of my, my kids are learning a lot about social emotional stuff right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I used to teach in their school, so my kids used to get it. But these, my youngest right now never had me as their school counselor. Mm-hmm. Because if so, if somebody is super passionate about science, you know, something that we are all like we all have our own unique interests, we'll turn it into a reading or writing activity with your kids. Mm -hmm. And if you learn kind of the gist of the structure of the, the things that are coming from the schools and does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Then you can take something that you're super, because if you're super excited about it, your kids are going to be super excited about it. And so then it makes the learning piece fun. Right. Um, And I mean, the beautiful thing too about, the, air, the time that we live in is there, there's so many things available on the internet and it might be now with that being said, it might be like um, one of the stories that came that was around reading comprehension was on Harriet Tubman, who I don't know if you, this is such a side tangent. I don't know if you saw her movie, latest movie. It is, she did. It was on her. It was yeah. incredible. I haven't I seen high, it. Oh my gosh. Lisa, Can the kids have, watch it? You know what? I Sam and I have planned on sitting with our little ones because it's talking about slavery. There's mm-hmm. definitely um, there's definitely a lot of violence and things they will be exposed to, but I feel like it's something that is still worthwhile. Um, okay. But it, but so Harry Tubman. Well, I watched that movie and was so inspired that I went and bought a book on Harry Tubman. Yeah. So basically, find things that they are learning about or interested in that also you would enjoy and you are interested in so that together you can do some learning that's enjoyable and just done as a family more or with your child. Yeah. And you know what else I did is I emailed all the teachers and I said, I I don't have capacity Mm -hmm. and, and you know, I don't, this, I don't always, um, talk about how many kids I have, but this mm-hmm. would be a good time to be like, mm-hmm. you know, and they get it right. And they understand. And they also know that I'm still really working with my kids. Mm-hmm. And so the other thing is when I emailed them is I said, well, what do you think Liliana really needs to focus on? Like if I were to pick some things, what should I be focusing on? What do you mm-hmm. think Jace really needs to focus on? And so then they gave me things, right. And I, I, I do feel like I have a pretty good sense already about where my kids are at academically, but that's not to say everybody does. And mm-hmm. so, but I just kind of wanted to confirm, right? Like yeah. wanted to make sure there wasn't anything I was missing. And so um, the teachers kind of think, you know, I said, give me like two to three things, like right. certain skills, right? That you feel like that they need to work on. And there was one thing with Jace that I'm, I'm struggling to know, how do I make this happen? It's mm-hmm keyboarding skills (laughs) but he doesn't do well on screens but she did say and she had a great idea I mean our teachers do have great ideas and they really do want to help like Mm -hmm. the teachers Mm -hmm. I work with my kids teachers they are here they really are there to support parents I don't I have teachers in other districts so more than anything I say reach out if you're, okay. if you're drowning, there are many of us drowning, right? Mm-hmm. Your email will not be the first email that says, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Like I need, I need a little less. I need a, 
And that's the other thing too, is you, so the other thing is if you feel like you have creativity or passions to kind of come up with things, do that. If not go to teachers and say, tell me three things and all that, that beautiful plan that you think I need to do, because I don't, I can't do it all. And they'll tell you, that's they'll know good. exactly, right. They'll know exactly where your child is at and they'll mm-hmm. be able to tell you. That's a really good point because, you know, not every child needs everything on that plan. It might be, if, if I said to the teacher, tell me three things my child really yeah. needs to learn by the end of the school year and just focus on those. And, you know, one of my kids' teachers wrote this beautiful letter to the parents and she said, basically, that she understood that we were not all, you know, prepared for mm-hmm. this and some people were going to be able to do more than others. And she said, you know what? We teachers will make this up with your kids. We are going to work hard with your kids. Right. You don't need to worry with it about it. And we know you'll be there to support us when we're back in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And I thought that is so freeing and beautiful. You know, the, every school, every teacher knows this is a strange and unusual time. And when we do all get back to school, hopefully by fall, I would assume, yes. um, everybody will know these kids missed the end of last year. And some of them learned some of it and some of them didn't. And we're just going to pick up where we are. I mean, the whole country. Or the world, really, globally. Yeah, and that's, that's true. Perspective, right? This is not a in your town, in your school. Right. I mean, this is a global problem. There are kids around the globe that are missing out on, yes, yeah. really important, you know, beautiful academics within a traditional schooling program. But we're mm-hmm. all going through. It's not right. like our kids are going to be behind. Right. And you and I... <laughs> And you and I also both know having older kids and being able to have that perspective. Let's say that they really, you know, academically do fall behind. This is going to maybe sound bad, but it's not the end of the world. It's, it's not, not. going to find their future success in life. Right. right. There are bigger, more important things here. Um, still, like you, you want them engaged. You want them learning, but there's, there's bigger things. Right. The other thing too, that first perspective for me, typically our kids are in a classroom where it's anywhere between 25 to 30. Mm-hmm. And so that teacher is navigating a lot of, um, it's not a lot of different needs. Like they're able to specifically focus in on your child, you know, mm-hmm. teachers, if they had three children in the classroom, it would be, it would look very, their plans would look very different. Right. Right. They would get things through much quicker. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't have to maybe do all those different accommodations for their classes that they have to do because my kid's in that class or whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That kind right. of waste time or that gives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. So the plans are built around a group of children. And so if mm-hmm. you're teaching one or two, you may not need all of those things in the plan no. because your child may not need some of the repetition or different things in order to do it. So that's a good, good point. All right. Any final words? You can do this. That's the like, but you, you really can breathe, you know, right. Show, show grace to yourself, show grace to your children, right. Mm -hmm. Equal amount of grace. Um, Like, but we can do this. It's going to look different for all of us. Right. Um, But this is not like bringing God back into this. Like God is bigger than all of this. God is Mm -hmm. bigger than the, the, the challenge of trying to um, teach our kids right now at home. And yes, it's super hard. Yes, every day I'm spent, sometimes by 9.15 I'm spent, mm-hmm. right? Yes, there's that. But 
it's not, hopefully it's something that we can have perspective of at that, that God is bigger than all of that. And to not blow up, you know, one of the teach that skills that I teach um, as a school counselor that we do whole building is what size is your problem? What size is your reaction? Right. Mm-hmm. So yes. And I mean, the coronavirus, if it, that in itself is a big problem, but when we look at you know, the frustration that we might be experiencing trying to get our children to learn their math facts. Let's bring that, you Mm -hmm. know, problem kind of down to size and make sure that our reaction matches because Mm -hmm. I find if we magnify or make a problem bigger, we lose perspective Mm -hmm. and we're not able to be present and not be able to do kind of what we need. And I do, like I said, I, I really strongly believe that God has, a plan for all of us to thrive. And it doesn't mean that things are perfect or even easy, mm-hmm. but that we're able to have joy and peace and hope and fun. I'm a big believer in fun, right? And play in the midst of all of those things. And so you're, you're doing a good job. You can do it. And even if that means that one day you do nothing because you just can't and you play with your kids, right? You do sidewalk chalk. You, what if it's, you know, whatever depending on where somebody lives, mm-hmm. you tape up, right? The in-store, indoor hopscotch thing you could do. I mean, there's different things that we can tense. One day I was like, I mean, that's a, that's a activity of operation. Like you can be no fighting and everybody has to contribute because sometimes they, Jackson can't see our blind son, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway, it's random, but my activity was you're going to build forts together mm-hmm. and everybody has to contribute right? And they're getting fighting, but that's, that's, that's a skill. That's a very it important is. skill. So it is, yeah. it is. <laughs> well, Maria, thank you so much for spending this time. I know this is going to be really encouraging and helpful to so many parents. Thank you for having me, Lisa. You're I adore welcome. you. <laughs> I adore you too. Thanks for pulling that together with Maria, Lisa. First of all, I just love her and Sam. But I also wanted to just draw attention. She talked about, you know, communicating with our teachers. And I had talked before we jumped into the episode about this terrible first time we're all dealing with. And so I think to remember that teachers, even if they're veteran teachers, are teaching into this modality of virtual learning for the first time. And so we might be frustrated with how much work they're sending or how much support we don't feel like we're getting, but they need to know from us some of that feedback in a respectful, calm, you know, kind of non-judgmental manner because they've never done this. And so that feedback I think will be invaluable to them as they continue to learn and adjust and figure out what works for them in this new virtual environment, because a lot of the skills that they have been honing over the last years of the, as they've been teaching are classroom skills and classroom management skills. And that is so, so different than the current situation. Right. Maria specifically talked about the fact that, you know, teachers are used to planning lessons and work for a large group of children, like 20 plus children. And so it's, it's a big shift for them to be thinking about an individual child doing the work. And what does an individual child need to do if they aren't in this big setting? So, right, it's requiring flexibility from 
parents and teachers and administrations and everybody. So I think the more we can just be really kind to one another as we sort it out. And I think for us as parents, we have to keep our children and their emotional well-being and their attachment security and felt safety. That has to come before anything else. And then you know, the schooling comes after that. So I think she had a lot of great advice. And one of the other things she talked about was things she's doing with her kids on a daily basis to help them stay regulated and to keep some calm in her household. And she's going to be providing us with a list of um, specific activities and things that she's doing. And those will be available to you in the show notes. In addition to some of the other resources that we talked about, that will all be in the show notes. And you can find that at theadoptionconnection.com slash 80. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.